7.05 on CJAD. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with my co-host Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. How are you, Josh? Excellent, thank you. Great, and we welcome into studio Howard Weinberg of Top Marks. Howard, welcome to Today's Entrepreneur. Thank you so much. So we usually begin the show by just a, a very uh, a, a very basic recap of what exactly is your business, Top Marks, and uh, what do you do for a living? Well, uh, Tom Marks is a school uniform supplier that supplies just over 200 schools across the country. Um, we are a uh, domestic manufacturer. We were in business since uh, 1986 and uh, have stuck to the uh, domestic manufacturing side of things and are uh, pretty proud to say that we're, um, the, uh, to our knowledge, the largest um, domestic manufacturer of uniforms in Canada. Uh, we're not the largest supplier of uniforms in Canada, but certainly the largest domestic uh, supplier of uh, uniforms. And, and the manufacturing component, the local one, the Canadian one, is hugely important. But before we get to that, kind of curious to know uh, a little bit, was, did your background build you up for this? Were you always in this business? Uh, how, you know, what kind of led you here? My uh, my formal education is, uh, is a CA. I graduated at a as a CA in 1977. And uh, I then turned to um, specializing in trustee and bankruptcy. I was a trustee in bankruptcy for a number of years, uh, specializing in business turnarounds and so forth and so on. At the ripe old age of 32, I decided to get into a business and my specialty was needle trade and uh, private label uh, businesses and uh, branded businesses in, in terms of trying to help turn them around. And 32, I decided that I wanted to give business a try. So I went into the private label manufacturing end of business. Did you start this up on your own? Was it an existing business? How did you kind of fold into this? No, Tom Marks is the brainchild of my partner, Peggy Glenn. Uh, she started the business in 1986, and it's a true uh, ground floor success story. Uh, she actually started out of the basement of her own home. <clears throat> and, uh, sorry, and... Um, when her youngest child was basically in school, she decided um, that, you know what, they needed school uniforms. She was made, She actually sewed her own uniforms in the basement of her house. And then she went on to um, have home shows, sort of like Tupperware shows, and yeah. selling school uniforms um, to parents. And from that, she grew the business quite nicely. She did a good job of it up until 1994 when um, she realized that... Uh, uh, she needed somebody to uh, to work with, and we had a common supplier together uh, who uh, put us together for purposes of seeing if we could do something together, and since then. So you had you had something on your own and that you kind of melded in with? Yeah, I, I had a couple of other businesses on my own, and um, then when I met with Peggy in January of 94, I believe it was, um, I saw something that um, uh, I thought that there was a tremendous opportunity there, and I thought that she found uh, she started a, biz a business with a strong niche 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 in the market, and um, we grew from there. Did you find when you're when you're putting together you know two two brains and two levels of experience in different businesses, was it easy to mesh? Did you realize that you complemented each other? Were there redundancies? How did you kind of deal with that? aspect of the partnership well uh no there was never any redundancies and i think that uh you know we're celebrating our 19th year of a business partnership together so uh th i think that says a lot uh, right in and of itself um she possessed certain skills i possessed certain skills they melded uh, really really well together 
and um, we just continue to grow the business. We always we always talk things out. We always uh, found solutions to whatever the challenges we faced. So it's good. Did you ever did you work it out yourselves? Did you ever have to kind of go to an outside party? Did you just talk it out? Ever, you know, have any? No, I would say that. We, uh, <laughs> I would say that we had a mutual respect. We still have a mutual respect for one another, and I think that we work very very well together. Um, and I think that uh, I, I would say that 99% of the time we, we were able to settle things between ourselves for the rare time that we would uh, we would have to do that. And anticipating Josh's next question, do you have a partnership agreement? Yes, we have a partnership agreement. All businesses should have a partnership agreement. Did you have one from right from the beginning? And uh, tell yeah. me about that process. Well, it was very simple. Um, I think uh, a year or two after we got together, we made sure that... Uh, that uh, uh, we were able to work together. Um, I'm one that believes in dotting the I's and crossing the T's, and we have a uh, traditional partnership agreement. You know, it has a shotgun clause in it. It has a uh, clause to protect one if, if one of us gets sick, and God forbid if one of us passes away, then our families are protected. So it's a, um, it's a protect-all type of uh, shareholders agreement. That hasn't had to change over the years. Whatever you set up day one still applies you ever you ever look at it from time to time yeah we just spoke about it today as a matter of fact <laughs> that uh, um, you know the agreement I believe was signed in the late 1990s I believe, if I were the original agreement and then there was a second draft done updated in 2004 and uh, no we don't uh, the document is uh, filed away in my in my uh, filing cabinet and we don't go to it uh, all that often were there uh, you know, we were talking about you know you're working things out yourself. Do you use outside advisors? I mean, how do, do you rely on each other's expertise, on your customers, on your suppliers? How do you kind of uh, brainstorm with people around you? Um, I don't particularly uh, reach out to too many people. I think, like I said, we work these things out um, between us. It, it's not an overly complicated business, mm -hmm. I must tell you. Um, you know, uniforms are uniforms. It's uh, something that in some schools are mandatory. Some other schools, it's not mandatory. Um, fashion does come into play, no question about it, but not to the same degree as a true uh, needle trade uh, operation. We have one season a year. Um, so it, in most times, I do reach out for certain professional advice, like, for example, when it came time to the shareholders' agreement or we did a corporate fees in our organization, <coughs> Um, there, you know, we, we certainly spoke to the, uh, the appropriate, uh, attorneys with the, the right tax authority. We bought a business recently in, uh, Edmonton, um, um, and we, we needed to s consult with the right tax authorities as well. Now you, you mentioned something interesting, a one season business. How do you control that? How do you anticipate? How do you deal with cash flow? What is, what does the term one season business mean to your operations? Crazy for a month and then relaxing for the 11 months the, of the year? The easiest thing I could describe is, like I always say, that the minute that we hit November 1st, we enter what I call our dark hole from a, from a shipping perspective. So from November 1st until March 31st, it's a five-month dark hole. What I ship or what the company ships in that five-month period, we could do in one week in August. So uh, we... That doesn't mean that we're quiet and we're and we're not busy right now because uh, Peggy, for one, for example, who's in charge of managing all of our production and inventory control, is uh, well underway with all the production planning, 
which basically starts in late October uh, each year for the following year. So she's well underway with our production planning. We're well underway with signing new new accounts. And uh, so we're quite active, but not from a shipping perspective. And from a cash flow aspect, how does that how does that mean, or what does that translate to over the full twelve months? Well, um, there's no question that we're an ideal account for for our bank. Um, we um, it's like a boring story. The, you know, for for eight months of the year, we're we don't borrow any money, and for four months of the year, we borrow some money. And uh, we have a fantastic relationship with our bank, and um, they respect us as we respect them, which allows us to be able to better manage our, our business. And I would imagine, you know, you know, Dan, we've heard many cyclical businesses that come on. Cash flow management has got to be up there. But staying in communication, staying in contact with your bank, uh, as, as you seem to do, Howard, you got to keep them kind of in the loop. It's, uh, it's probably crucial to, to your operations. And when we come back, I think we'll talk even more about the manufacturing and being in Canada. As, uh, as you said, Dan, it's not dead. No, it's, 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 but it's still pretty rare, and I want to explore that with Howard and, and the challenges of manufacturing locally and the benefits, too, because I'm sure there are more benefits than challenges in many cases. Uh, Howard Weinberg of Top Marks, our guest tonight on Today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you on Today's Entrepreneur. Our guest is Howard Weinberg of Top Marks. Uh, they make school uniforms and manufacture right here in Montreal, Josh. And we, you know, certainly that is uh, the most interesting topic uh, that that's on my mind right at this moment. Uh, as we said in the uh, in, in the in the promos, building up to the show, and what we mentioned before, Howard, you have decided, you and and Peggy uh, have decided that Top Marks, your manufacturing process should not be overseas; it should remain here in Canada. Can you tell us about that decision? Why that came about, and how you maintain it that way? Years ago, Peggy and I had a long discussion about whether or not we wanted to move our uh, domestic manufacturing operation offshore and even parts of it. And we thought about it long and hard and we both decided that, you know, our mantra was to remain made in Canada. That was very important to our clients. Um, You know, whether um, you, you question what goes on in factories overseas and so forth and so on, when you deal with schools, most schools want to know that the clothing that their children that attend those schools are, are made knowing that fair labor practices have been, have been followed. And in some of our clients, many of our clients' uh, um, criteria when they're considering a school uniform supplier is the fact that uh, the garments are made by us right, right, in, uh, right in Quebec. So control is a major aspect of your choice. Well, yeah, control is a major aspect of our choice. We want to be able to touch, feel, and see all of our garments right from the point that we procure the fabric to the point that we cut it, to the point that we sew it, to the point that we screen print it or embroider it and so forth and so on. And does is there a benefit of timing of inventory, like as in you don't have to wait for goods to sit on the water for a number of weeks and then on a train or sitting yeah. at a port and releasing? Does, the, does this just-in-time or the inventory management side help with that with having a local manufacturer it does it does to a degree but our philosophy has always been in our business that you know we 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 have to have the inventory we the secret one of the secrets to our success is the fact that we're able to turn our orders as quickly as we do 
In fact, right now, as orders come in, let's say if, if orders come in before one o'clock and during the day, right across the country, they're shipped out the exact same day. So the turn the turnaround is just amazing. So the the commitment that we have to our inventory is extremely extremely high. And as I said, we produce probably close to four hundred thousand garments a year. And in order to plan for a one season business. Um, we've got to start working on it. Fabric is worked on in June and July of the year before. Uh, preliminary cutting plans are worked on in September and October. And final cutting plans are, are put into work in October, November. And I mean, I, I, w- I want to continue this topic of manufacturing when we come back. But there's certainly there must be aspects of cost. There must be aspects of uh, you know delivery and making sure that everything is is truly at the quality level that you that you maintain, uh, and kind of the the continued discussion of where does your philosophy, your and your partner's philosophy, lie in terms of bottom line with respect to the impact of that decision. Howard Weinberg of Top Marks, our guest this evening on Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800. Our guest is Howard Weinberg of Top Marks, and uh, Josh Howard makes. Uh, uniforms for schools right here in Montreal, uh, which is seems to be, which I think is rare. I mean, I think uh, in a similar business in 2013, I think a lot of people would uh, would take the take their manufacturing overseas. And manufacturing has certainly been on the decline, uh, you know, throughout North America, but certainly Canada over the last number of years. A little bit starting to come back though, as people are understanding that just you know just because there's cheap labor and cheap materials overseas doesn't end up in the right bang for the buck here in Canada. But but I'm curious, and I'll, I'm going to throw back to, to Howard in wondering, you know, cost must certainly enter into it. So what's what's the kind of thought process to decide, you know, I'm okay to give up a little on cost, but what am I getting in return? What do I want to achieve in return? You know, this was never, uh, the decision to remain made in Canada really didn't, uh, cost didn't come into play to be perfectly honest with you if cost came into play then peggy and i a long time ago would have converted like most of our competitors have done if not all of our competitors done have converted to sourcing overseas or sourcing a good part of their product line overseas um it's it's not about the bottom line to be it's a, it's about the relationship it's about the ability to build strong relationships with our schools and to provide uh, top quality garments at the same time as uh, incredible customer service. And, and I'm I'm sure you still manage the bottom line just fine. But but let's let's hitch on to this word customer service. Um, you deal with I don't know how many schools uh, is are schools the only customer on your list? Yeah, we still have. We used to sell uh, soccer uniforms a number of years ago, uh, but that was a uh, that was a nickel and dime business that. Uh, um, it was great for us because it was uh, it was business that we got during quieter periods of time. But now we really don't have a quiet period of time, and we were just getting uh, killed by the, uh, the by the importers of soccer uniforms. So today we still supply one club with their soccer uniforms in Ottawa. It's a great relationship. It's been one for about 15 years, but uh, uniform school uniforms is the only thing we do. How did you how do you grow your business? How did you get the schools to begin with and how do you maintain or grow them what is your strategy to do that um peggy and i have a commitment to making sure that we serve our clients i mean uh it's it's very simple when the school calls us to express their interest in school uniforms and we learn quickly that let's say price is their number one motivation and they're driven by price we tell them quickly that top marks is not for you 
if you're looking for reliability and dependability, if you're looking for somebody that's going to really care about your about the families and in the schools and making sure the kids look good, if you're looking for somebody that's going to make sure that the product is made, and even if I have to cut and sew six pieces, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how much money I'm going to make when I cut and sew six pieces and sell it, um, I'm going to do what's necessary to do. Um, and we've, we've built a fantastic company that provides uh, incredible customer service and responds quickly to customers, which is what they want. Did you... Was this philosophy there from day one, or did it evolve into No, this? I think the philosophy has been there since since day one, for all intents and purposes. We are, we're probably the number one supplier in the country for private schools uh, across the country. We do service uh, public, both public and private schools, uh, but uh, there is a Canadian Association of Independent Accredited uh, Schools, commonly referred to as CASE, and uh, we supply probably 75% of those schools. So it's um, we've we built strong friendships and relationships with our customers, and, and I think Dan, we you know certainly the commitment to to service is huge. When we come back, interesting to hear if they actively market their business, or it's word of mouth, or they just kind of rely. You know what? Great service, great uniforms, lots of students, and that's going to work for us. When we come back, we'll find out a little bit more about that. Howard Weinberg of Top Marks, our guest this evening on Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800 at 7.35 on CJAD 800. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with me as well. And our guest is Howard Weinberg of Top Marks, and Howard makes school uniforms right here in Montreal. And we were just talking about customer service, and I just kind of want to get an idea and give the listener, you know, as an entrepreneur... There's some people that really look at everything from 35,000 feet and delegate everything under the sun and some that really get into it and work, you know, are, are really committed to their customers and their employees and all that jazz. How would you classify yourself, Howard, and possibly your partner, Peggy? Are you working on your business, in your business, some combination no, we're both uh, fully involved in our business on a day-to-day basis, and um, even though we have a great team of people working for us, um, we like to be involved in uh, day-to-day operations for sure. So, for example, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, um, you know, customers will send us uh, emails thanking us or asking us for favors or asking us for certain things, and... Uh, I get to see each and every one of those emails, and uh, I try my best to respond as much as I possibly can um, uh, to them as quickly as I possibly can. So when you're talking about marketing, I mean, certainly there's a the personal touch of, you know, customer service and answering emails, but do you, ha- do you have any active strategies for marketing? Do you, how would you classify you selling? I mean, do you have a sales force? Do you send out email blasts? Uh, what, what kind of marketing strategy do you employ, if, if any? The amazing thing over the last uh, few years uh, that Peggy and I are, uh, we remark to each other every once in a while is the fact that uh, we don't have a sales force, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, in the last three years, every one of the new accounts that we have signed have come to us as a result of them being dissatisfied with their existing uh, source of supply. That could be in Montreal, Toronto, it could be in Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg. Um, and we've been kept pretty busy with uh, just responding to people who are uh, very dissatisfied with their existing uh, supplier. Do you use, I mean, is is a website an active tool? Do you use any social media? Has that been something you've focused on or, or not yet? 
Well, the website is very important to us, and our online ordering system is extremely important to us because we don't have one retail location across the country. Everything is done online, um, so uh, it's, it's a great business model. Um, social media, listen, I'm a guy that's 59 years of age. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not too well in tune to social media, uh, but I believe in uh, youth, as does Peggy, and we've been hiring younger people into our company and those that are much more familiar with social media. Um, we're not quite there yet from a corporate standpoint, but uh, we talked about it again today just generally, but uh, we're going to get there for sure. Figure you're dealing with students day in, day out, and they are connected every second of every day. So if you want to target that, actually, even though they may not be paying for their uniforms, they're still the ones wearing them. So I'm, I'm sure it'll be on your radar somewhere in the future. Yeah, I, uh, I tend to agree. Now, let's talk a little bit about competition you said you know you made a comment before about your customers or schools coming to you when they're dissatisfied do you keep tabs on your competition um how do you kind of react or deal with them or monitor them well uh to be very honest with you there's not uh, a lot of um competitors out there certainly not a lot of competitors that both peg and i would uh, would would hold in a high regard um <clears throat> they're um there are not, um, it, it's, we stay on top of what our competitors are doing for the most part, but we concentrate much more on what we're doing. It's far more important for us to uh, not lose sight of the ball um, and to stay focused on, on what we do and what we do best <clears throat> and allow them to do what they do. So, we, yeah, we'll visit their websites every once in a while and we'll stay in touch with, uh, with customers that have some information on them. But otherwise, the main focus is making sure we do what we, what we need to do. You have, uh, I don't know how many schools you deal with today versus when you just started, but I'm sure there was a, a certain amount or level of growth over these past many years. How have you managed growth? Well, uh, from the time that Peggy and I started, uh, we're just under nine times the size of the company that we were then. And the best compliment that we've had is we have a client in Ottawa, a public Catholic high school that... Uh, was part of uh, Peggy's uh, clientele before Peggy and I met one another. And uh, we were complimented uh, about two or three years ago in an annual, uh, fall, a fall annual review meeting that we had with the school when we told them that the company had grown at that time, probably about sevenfold from the time that we first started with the school, and that they said that our service was only better. And uh, our philosophy is that we must have tempered growth. Uh, we're in a business, we're in a high-end service business, and we must make sure that we can't take on more business than we can handle. And we need to respect our business, and we need to respect our staff in particular to make sure that we don't overwhelm them uh, and cause a breakdown at, you know, in the third or fourth week of August, which, which would be a disaster. So speaking of staff and human resources, have your your team been with you many years, or is it something that you kind of see turning over often and how, how do you kind of how have you dealt with the finding the really the right people to surround you with well it's um it's a business that uh, that has a certain number of full-time employees and a business that has a lot of part-time employees um we our, our businesses run like a family to be perfectly honest with you we we treat our employees with respect and dignity uh we make sure that the family is number one okay so if any of them have 
an urgent uh, family matter to deal with, that's number one. Everything else will fall into place. Do you in- include them in your decision making? Is it more of an inclusive process, a dictatorial process, if I may say, or autocratic? Um, how? What's your management style with them? Uh, you know what? We listen to everything that one that our staff have. Every year we have uh, what we call post-mortem meetings with all of our staff, not only our staff but our clients as well. But in, t- in dealing with staff, we look at each department head to reach down to each of the people that work under th- in their departments and to provide us with feedback that uh, they think will make their job uh, more efficient, that they all become more efficient at doing their job. Um, we hope that the vast majority of our staff come into work with a with a smile on their face, um, and uh, and I think that that's the case. Has technology or the improvements in technology help them better learn their job and service the customer? In most cases, yes. In some cases, uh, no. It's you know we we have uh, there are employees that have been with us with you know for sixteen seventeen years and. Uh, you know, sometimes information technology to them is a little bit more challenging than to others. But I think for the most part, the whole team pulls together and uh, does a great job. Are you recession-proof? I mean, you're dealing with, with uniforms, you're dealing with schools. Uh, school, you know, Students still go to school every day, and the rules of the school in many cases are dress code or, or uniform. So are you recession-proof? Are you everything-proof? How are you everything-proof? Uh, let me deal with the recession part first. Uh, no, we're not recession-proof. I don't think we're recession-proof at all. We went through one a number of years ago back in 2008. Um, <clears throat> part of our managing our business is that we monitor the bookings of all of our schools on a weekly basis starting in the beginning of May and running right through to the end of October. Uh, so we, we get to see the total dollar value of orders on a week-by-week basis compared to previous years. And then we also get to see what our average dollar value, the average amount of money a family is spending. So back in 2008, uh, we saw a significant drop. In, cer- in certain cases, we saw a significant drop in, um, in uh, average dollar value. Western Canada has been strong for many, many years. Eastern Canada, both in private schools um, and public schools, have faced some, some more serious challenges. Uh, but all in all, it's all good. At the end of the day, it's all good. Well, thank you very much, Howard. Uh, I, Dan, I'm still fascinated by the the manufacturing in Canada, and and I guess I'm I'm really impressed that you, that Howard and, and his partner Peggy and Top Marks have been able to do that very successfully. And we're going to bring in our partner Nick Moretis, who's going to talk about also good things from a tax perspective when you're keeping manufacturing here in Canada. And hopefully Howard has been rewarded very nicely by our government. It's uh, 7.45 right now. 7.49 on today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and Florlando's Josh Miller with you. Howard Weinberg, our guest of Top Marks, and we now bring in uh, Nick Moretis, tax partner at Fulolandau. And uh, Nick, uh, given that Howard uh, does, uh, does his manufacturing locally, um, we want to get into some of the benefits that are available for people who do decide to manufacture locally. Um, tax breaks, perhaps? Well, sometimes that's the only benefit they see given uh, Canada's manufacturing performance over the last decade. Um, but and there is tax credits available, and these are programs that are through the tax system. You get the money... Uh, through filing your tax returns as opposed to necessarily getting a grant or, or a loan that would be going through another government uh, department. 
Uh, in the old days, there used to be a, a, a tax credit for those companies earning uh, manufacturing profits. That disappeared about five, six years ago. And now the government is looking to really provide credits where you're investing in property and equipment, where you're investing in manpower and skills. And that's where they seem to have gone. And Quebec is really taking a, a leadership role in that, although there, are, there is a federal program. And as I said, uh, many times these are expenses that companies are already doing. Um, they're buying equipment for their processes. They're training their employees. And it's really capturing that information, making sure you're aware of the credit, filing the appropriate forms, and claiming your credit that is available to you. Do you have to plan for your acquisitions before the fact, or this is all? this can be an after-the-fact um, in many cases, right. a lot of these programs, and you'll see with Quebec, there's there's dates that uh, that apply, um, especially where there's big dollars that you can't uh, purchase equipment prior to such a date, or you uh, you will see as later as we talk, you have to uh, acquire your equipment prior to the end of 2017, and then the program falls. That's the one thing uh, that happens with these programs. You got to be c constantly keeping track of, um, but you're not going to necessarily be sitting there waiting for the government to announce. A, a program and not buy your equipment, etc. So fire off. Let's fire hear what off. Programs so are the, there. the biggest one is obviously the research and development, which is very key in manufacturing because that I'm very certain is constant changes. Maybe I don't know if it is in, in school uniforms, but in a lot of other manufacturing activities. And I'm pretty certain that every businessman knows about that knows about that particular program because he's been probably called by consultants and his accountants telling him to to invest in that. So we're going to look at some other ones. There is one, uh, again, remember, investing in property or manpower. So the federal government has won the Red Seal's uh, trades. Uh, Red Seal trade is uh, usually a very skilled labor. Uh, a mill right would be one. An industrial electrician would be another. Um, uh, instrumentation technicians are, is another, where there is a skill, a, skilled, a skill required to become that tradesperson. Hiring such a tradesperson with, with, through the federal government provides you a 10% credit up to about $2,000 per employee. And again, you may already be doing that, and the question is now to file something and get that money. Do you have to prove that they're accredited? I mean, the individuals that you hire, do they have to go through a kind of a pre-approval process by any of the government officials? Uh, with the federal one, probably with the uh, organization that handles that particular trade. Uh, there's almost every, like there's a, an institute for accountants, there's institutes for, carp uh, for the trades as well, and there is apprenticeships, apprenticeship programs to get your card that is eligible. So that's usually what, the, what, the, um, what that is. Uh, both governments uh, for equipment have what we call fast write-off depreciation categories. That's almost an automatic to allow you to write off the equipment a lot, lot sooner than writing off a table or a chair. In Quebec, it's, it's the Quebec which has uh, a lot of them. I'm just going to mention five of them right now. Uh, one is new equipment that is acquired for manufacturing, manufacturing and processing prior to January the 1st, 2018. And that is new. It used to be prior to January the 1st, 2016. They've added an extra two years. And basically, it's new equipment that you're using here in Quebec. They're giving you back 10% of what you paid. And uh, we, you know, we've had some people who've had to purchase a million-dollar piece of equipment or a processing line. Well, that's a hundred-thousand-dollar check that you're getting back from Quebec. And again, how, what's involved is filing a form, making sure you got the invoice, etc., being able to demonstrate that it is involved in manufacturing or processing, and making the claim. If your plant is located outside of Montreal, it's not even 10%. The credit could be a lot higher, depending upon which of the regions here in Quebec you are in. So that's one of them. Another one is for those firms who are um, 
uh, uh, manufacturing goods for the external for export. In many cases, um, the foreign country has its own standards that are different from ours, and you have to modify your your program or your good to be uh, eligible for that uh, standard. So if if you ever go to Europe and you're acquiring a piece of electronic equipment, a camera or anything, the standard that's there is not a North American standard. And as and as the world gets smaller and everybody's acquiring their equipment all over the world, depending on price and quality, that's certainly an important aspect. When we come back, we'll, uh, we'll maybe hear about a couple of others before we get to Howard's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. Our guests, Howard Weinberg of Top Marks and Nick Moretta's tax partner on Fulandau on today's Entrepreneur at 7.55. Howard Weinberg of Top Marks, our guest, and Nick Moretta's here as well, uh, tax partner at Fulandau. Howard Manufacturers here in Montreal, so we're talking about uh, tax credits that are available for people who do manufacture. And uh, Nick, you have more to add to your list? Yeah, I just, uh, by the way, that certification credit is up to 45000 That's good for that. The rest are really... Uh, focusing on manpower or training credits. One is specific here again in Quebec, training in the manufacturing, uh, actually forestry and mining sectors. Uh, this can be one of our clients put it in for Kaizen training, which is, I guess, a, a, a method of, of manufacturing where they bring in an outside consultant. They sit down with the people involved with manufacturing. So unfortunately, uh, office staff don't, don't, won't qualify. But it could be on anything that involves with new production processes, the quality control of these processes, the internal control systems. Uh, that would be a special, and it's 30%. And doesn't and there isn't any a maximum for that. There's other credits if you're bringing on um, apprenticeship again in Quebec, again uh, that uh, with the government, and then there's a general credit that uh, for um, for design activities, etc. Right. Kaizen credit, money for when East meets West. That's uh, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Welcome, kudos to the government. There you go. And as we come down to our our last remaining moments, uh, we'll turn to Howard. And in his vast years of experience with top marks and elsewhere, not necessarily just as trustee, but more as the entrepreneur, what one piece of advice would you give to today's entrepreneur? Probably the number one piece of advice I give to anybody starting a business or in a business is to respect that business. Um, set your goals and set your objectives. Stay committed to those goals and stay committed to those objectives. Respect the people that work for you. Uh, even those that are at the lowest end and even if they're earning minimum wage. Respect your clients. More importantly, respect your suppliers and your sources and develop good, strong relationships right across the board. It'll pay off for you in the end. And one thing's for sure. If you have one good year, it doesn't mean that every year is going to be good. So always plan and make sure that you save for a rainy day. You know, Dan, <laughs> very well said. I mean, the term respect applies to many, many different areas. And the one little takeaway that I'll, that I'll add to that, and I'm, I'm not going to be very popular for this next line, but money isn't everything. The bottom line, while important and helps you survive, is not necessarily the driving force behind an entrepreneur. A great byproduct if you do it right. But the driving force, hopefully you have a little bit more behind you than that. Josh, thank you, and thanks to Howard Weinberg of Top Marks, our guest, and Nick Moretis, tax partner at Fleur Landau. Uh, thank you all so much. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD, back in two weeks from tonight, and coming up, it's the news at 8 o'clock.